Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating? Well, I'm celebrating that this is a, almost the beginning of a new season. Uh, this happens to be my favorite time of year. I always, I was a book nerd, I still am. And I always thought back to when school started and, uh, and everything was just gearing up for a new season. As a matter of fact, here's a picture of me uh, when I was in the first grade uh, at uh, Lakewood Elementary School uh, in Miss Batten's class. I had been going to Rehoboth Elementary School and I was in love with my teacher, uh, Miss Meredith. And our family moved uh, in the middle of the school season. And so, as you can see in that photograph, I refused to smile. I was not going to like Miss Batten, no matter how hard she tried. But I eventually, we moved again, and I spent the rest of my school years through the 12th grade with the same group of people, some that are still friends of mine to this day. Uh, but I always think at this time of year about gearing up, pulling up the bootstraps and getting out there and getting started. Now, it's always great when we have somebody that's able to help us do these things. And that's where our guest today comes in. Uh, Patrice McKinley, I am so excited to have her back on the show. She was on the show some time ago with Kasira. Well, Kasira and I were supposed to do the show. And Kasira was not able to do the show that night. So it was one-on-one -on -one with you and me. But today, we planned it this way. So okay. it's just you and me. And we're going to talk about all the things that you do, hopefully within the next hour, uh, <laughs> and the journey that brought you to this point. Uh, but I always uh, want to begin by asking my guest. Normally, I ask, who or what are you celebrating today? What have you celebrated today? Wow. Well... Uh, I had a client today who had a huge, huge win, and I am celebrating her. Like she created a, a massive win for herself, and I'm just so happy for her and inspired by her. So it was a really great day for that. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, let me ask you, what has her mindset been leading up to this win? Has she been having a series of wins or was this a big win uh, that came out of left field, so to speak? What has been her experience leading up to this big win today? Right. Well, we've been working together for almost, I, I don't even know, three years, maybe more. I, I'm not quite sure. But when she started, this was not even on her radar that she could achieve this. And through gradual small wins, she's actually created this huge, I mean, she's had great, not even small wins, but, you know, bigger wins, littler wins, uh, awarenesses that created the wins. It's, it's really changing your mindset can happen like that. Or it can take time and you really have to, well, and I guess that's the way for everybody. The more you understand how to create success, the more success you can create, you know? So I'm just real proud of her. And Well, that's great. And yeah. I'm proud of you too, because you helped facilitate that. You helped to get her to this point. Uh, I want to go back and talk a little bit about yourself and your own journey. Uh, mm -hmm. I know from our previous interview, and it's been quite some time since you and I sat down yeah. to talk, uh, but you also are an artist. You are a singer. Mm -hmm. uh, you started out to pursue a career as an entertainer, and you still do that. Uh, yeah. But your focus, for the most part, has shifted to becoming a career coach. Right. I know that you studied with Bob Proctor, yeah. uh, who was like uh, the, I guess, the head of this movement. Uh, how did that come about? And what is it about being a life coach that gives you the satisfaction that you also got or get as an artist yourself? Mm, yeah. So, um, yeah. So the... Um, the last time I was on, we talked about how I was living in New York. It was always my childhood dream to sing in the city. You know, I really never knew how, 
how I wanted to express myself as a vocalist. So that was hard. Um, but anyway, I went to the auditions, blah, 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 all of that stuff and lived there for four years and just became a really bad alcoholic and drug addict. And so I had to move. I had to get out of the city. It, it, you know, I'm a, I'm a girl who, you know, grew up on the beach in Florida. So it, it's just not my temperament. I know, you know, for a lot of people, it's great. It's just not for me. But anyway, so through moving here, getting into AA and realizing there was still something missing within the 12 step program that, you know, it just didn't quite resonate for me. I started studying other people and came upon a woman who, uh, her name was Debbie Ford. And she taught about shadow work, about union kind of, you know, stuff in a very, um, hands-on way. So, you know, I just became, uh, I started out teaching, you know, learning it for myself to grow my awareness and heal myself. And then I kept taking her courses. And eventually the next thing to do was to become a coach. It was not on my radar to do, but I just, I loved helping people and helping them to see, um, that it's never too late to really, uh, uncover those dreams and desires that you might have put on a shelf, you know, for a long time. I just love watching people's eyes light up when they realize, oh my God, I could really do this, you know? So that's how I started. And then I moved away from working with Debbie and then, um, you know, Bob Proctor was a big deal. He was in the secret, but he was really, um, more it, it was kind of like he was doing this stuff oh you're so sweet to put that up there he passed away a couple of years ago so god bless him but um he has been teaching this material since you know 1963 that's when he got involved in uh napoleon hills you were born rich and working with earl nightingale nightingale conant which was the first recorded self-help uh, industry that happened, you know, I mean, they were really at the cutting edge of all of that. So he, he's been teaching this stuff, you know, the law of um, vibration is such a buzzword, but he really started teaching it um, in the late 70s, early 80s, and really uh, uh, made it clear that the law of vibration is a secondary law. It's really the law, I mean, the law of um, a what do I want to, uh, the law, uh, vibration is the primary law. Uh, so it, it, you know, there's more to what we've learned through the secret, uh, that Bob has taught me and it's been very inspiring and, uh, a great, a great vehicle to really help people understand, um, how to move forward in a step-by-step -step way. So like you said, did, did my client get it all at once? No, it was a step-by-step -step progression of becoming aware of how your mind works, what your beliefs are, you know, that sort of thing so that you can make those gradual um, uh, reprogramming your mind is really what it comes down to. Well, you and I have talked about this before. I'm a, you know, I, I'm a very spiritual person and yes, I do I do my morning pages every morning, Julia Cameron. Yeah. And, but one of the things that I've added to that is I do a lot of uh, spirit. I read a lot of other books and I was reading David Friedman's Thought Exchange. This yes. Morning, uh -huh. uh, which is one of my favorite. And there's a new edition of it, folks, if you don't have it. Uh, but I was reading this morning about how when he first met his now husband, Sean Moniger, uh, that uh you know, Sean Moniger introduced him to Unity. And as he was going to Unity, uh, and he learned, you know, about affirmations and everything. Right. That the, the mistake that a lot of people make about affirmations is they that it's this uh, magical formula that's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Uh, for example, if someone says, I'm affirming that there are going to be $6,000 in my mailbox tomorrow morning, 
and they haven't done anything to make the uh, the six thousand dollars end up in their mailbox. That's like living in a fool's paradise. Right. Uh, and uh, David Essel has also written books about uh, how people are confused by what they think affirmations are. Um, but people are also confused about what they think. There's no um, quick fix formula out there. Uh, the work needs to be done. Um, what makes, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about life coaches? And when people come to you, for example, what separates you from the pack? I know that's <laughs> about to unfold right there. Oh, God. Well, first of all, a lot of people say they're life coaches and they haven't done any of the work to become a life coach. So I've been a certified life coach for like 18 years now. Um, and I put in a lot of hard work to become a, a life coach, a lot of hours of training and um, tests and uh, practicing with people on the phone and online and in person and you know, really understanding, learning how to listen, how to mirror what they're saying back to that. There's a lot to it, you know? And, um, and so that's part of it. The other thing is life coaching is not therapy. You know, there's, there's no therapy is great for people who've never had, you know, who are going through a crisis and need support in that way and are, you know, really in a bad way, of course, you have to see a therapist and tend to your mental, uh, mental health. But if you're in a good place, but you're still frustrated by the things you haven't been able to do to get to where you want to go, a life coach can really help you in that way. Now, what separates me is that a lot of uh, life coaches, you know, they talk about smart goals, um, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, uh, realistic, and uh, something else, time, time sensitive, or, you know, so I teach people that their goals should not be realistic, you know, that they have to be something like the imagination is the most powerful, potent energy and gift and tool we have. And people have, you know, from the time they're little, oh, mommy, I want to, you know, become a, a guitar player in a rock and roll band. You'll never be able to do that. Who do you think you are? And so their, their dream is squelched, right? So then they go off to become a computer programmer, not that there's anything wrong, an accountant, anything, you know what I mean? So the thing is that they become anything other than the dream that they really aspire to. Exactly. And I, you know, so for artists, especially, which I love working with artists, um, yeah, like they've they've put their dreams on hold. And what I love to do is explain how powerful vibrationally we are. Like we are, uh, you know, God's highest form of creation. So while um, life coaches really help you to manifest certain goals, a lot of them don't really get into the subconscious programming that each of us have within us from the time we're infants, even before that in our DNA, the way we've been programmed to see the world, to believe, you know, the world exists, our perceptions of things have been programmed by somebody else. And we are actually living that program until we learn how to create our own. So, a lot of life coaches, I don't believe, really have um, the the skills or maybe the tools that they use that I, you know, of course, I believe that what I'm teaching is the best stuff out there because Bob really put it together in a um, really uh, great planned out way so you could really get uh, a clear idea of how to make it happen. So there's really like... Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book, The Science of Getting Rich. I have it on my shelf. Great. <laughs> Wallace Waddles, who that was actually what The Secret was based on, was I... that book. So it's it's all about 
understanding our unlimited potential and understanding that we're here to create whatever it is we want and um, understanding and allowing that deep desire we have to propel us forward and create the life that we're meant to, to have and be and do and all those things, because we're all here for a reason. We're all here for a purpose, you know? So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> uh, yeah. I heard an interview once with Lorna Luft and Lorna Luft was going down a very bad path. And she said, she just woke up one morning and she said, I don't want this in my life anymore. And she was able to go to Betty Ford, get off of the drugs at, that she was on and, uh, mm -hmm. and really cl clean up her life. And she's been clean and sober for well over 30 years now. God bless her. Yeah. Um, what was the defining moment for you when you said uh, you hit rock bottom as well, yeah. where you said, this is enough. I don't want this in my life anymore. And how were you able to turn this around for yourself? Wow. Yeah. So I've been clean and sober for 40 years now. And um, it, it's a strange story. So I would go to uh, auditions and um, well, so friends of mine and I, we would go out to this bar called Shelter. It was on the Upper West Side and it was our neighborhood. And, um, you know, we would just drink all night long. And then at that at that time in the like early. Hey, uh, I'm gonna interrupt you for a moment. When you were doing this, um, were you trying to erase any pain that you were feeling or were you really getting this euphoric high over just the excitement of drinking with your pals? Oh no. I mean, I was self-medicating for sure. Yeah. I had a very low self-image. Um, you know, I, I had all of those things that happen in, you know, your family and, you know, my father was an alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, of course it was like, we were you know, new kids in, in New York and, oh my God, look at all these bars and, you know, everything. So, yeah, I mean, so I would, I would drink a lot and then walk home at four in the morning by myself, you know, <laughs> down Broadway. But anyway, and then I would get home uh, and I would just, I was in a blackout and then I would just open the refrigerator and I would start to eat things, you know? And so I started to put on weight. So, so I'm a food addict too, which I've been, you know, abstinent. Well, we say abstinent in 12 steps. So I've been um, flour and sugar free for, I don't even know, maybe eight years now, nine years. But um, so uh, then I would go to auditions and, you know, back then you had to wear leotard and tights and, you know, character shoes and, you know, do the dance part of it or the vote. But anyway, so I was heavy, you know, gaining weight and I didn't like that. And of course I was aware, like, who do I have to apologize to today? You know, waking up with a hangover, just feeling awful, just knowing I was, I had the awareness. I was like 23, 24 that I was not in good shape. Right. Which I was lucky. I was really lucky at that point. So, you know, I was always into self-help books. I read Wayne Dyer when I was in high school, your erroneous zones, you know. So um, I, I picked up a copy of The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. Mm -hmm. And I read the uh, chapter on discipline. Something about it hit me. And I decided, I made the decision one day that I was just not going to drink for that day. And I happened to be with a friend of mine uh, out on Long Island and she was a bartender and she, I sat at her bar that night and drank Coke or something. So that's how I got sober at a bar drinking a Coca-Cola and just making this decision that I was not going to drink for that day. Then the next day happened and I was like, maybe I can get through the weekend. 
it was just like one day at a time. I tried going to AA meetings uh, back in the early eighty. No, I guess it was the end of the seventies. Anyway, these were scary meetings. You know, I was I was like, holy crap, who are these people? So. I was in uh, group therapy at the time. So I just ended up doing that, which was not the smartest thing because they had no, my therapist didn't really have the skills to help me through. Then I started to have panic attacks because I wasn't, I had taken away my uh, coping mechanism, you know, the alcohol. So that's kind of how it happened. I just made that the decision one day and I was really lucky that, uh, that, that was the end of it, you know, knock on wood, you know, I mean, one day at a time, as they say, but I was, feel- it, was it an easy decision for you to leave New York? Because New York was basically your oyster. Everything was there. Yeah. Uh, was that an easy decision for you? Not at all. No, no. I, I felt very, I felt like a failure, but see what happened was I started having really bad panic attacks to the point where I became agoraphobic. I couldn't go out of my apartment. And when I would walk down the street, I was having a, a, such panic that I I just had to get out. You know, I just and knew- This was happening while you were sober. Yes, it happened. started to happen after I got uh, sober, yeah. Which is understandable, you know, because you are self-medicating all of those things that you think and did you did you feel also as that was all happening that the people that you were associating with the people that you were with uh that that was uh that there was a shift because obviously there is a shift in your personality uh you're not drinking anymore and when you're sober you you know i i remember when i was single um i met someone and we went back to his apartment and he said, <laughs> he said, what are you drinking? And I said, oh, I don't drink. And he said, then you're leaving. Oh, and he didn't want anyone in his apartment. who was sober. <laughs> um, and yeah. And I, and I know that, you know, I, I grew up uh, in an alcoholic household. Yeah. Uh, and, but my father was not a social drinker. My father, his drinking was in the confines of our home. Yeah. Uh, it was not a pleasant situation at all. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just wondering what, when you made the decision to change, how this affected your lifestyle choices and the people that were very much a part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, they were all theater people, you know, and uh, we could drink (laughs) and uh, it was, it was difficult because you, You know, I mean, I was going to say, so the second night I was with my friend out on Long Island, we went to somebody's house and they all had frozen daiquiris and became so ridiculously drunk. And I was just sitting there going, oh, my God, they're idiots. (laughs) And I guess I'm that, too, you know, but you have to change everything. You know, it's it's you have to change everything. And that's kind of what happens when you become aware of where you might be stuck. I find that a lot with my clients. They have to kind of let go of people because they're shifting their awareness and their beliefs about what's possible for them. And a lot of times people don't like that they're changing, you know? And so it's uncomfortable, but that's what happens. People people fall off when you move to a different level of creating a healthier life, a life you love. You're not, um, you know, you set better boundaries. You're going after your heart's desire and they're like, well, shit, they're doing that and I'm not, you know, and, and they end up making you wrong, you know, so I find that even when um, it, it's not a question of alcohol or not, you know. But you know, also when someone is comes to you and they are really trusting their lives, their careers, everything uh, in your hands, so to yeah. speak. Um, obviously, you had gone through this major shift in your lifestyle choices and uh, personality. 
when did the confidence start happening within yourself? Because you obviously have to have the confidence within yourself before you can start to instill that in other people. Right. Um, well, I guess it was gradual, you know, as is anything. And the more you, uh, the more I would coach people and gain confidence in myself as being a really good coach, I knew that I could help people because I saw them shifting and, uh, and then I just continue to grow and grow myself. So you know, I mean, I, I've gone through all sorts of changes in my life. My husband died of cancer. I have two children, my own addictive behavior, uh, getting back into singing cabaret, you know, after a long, long time of not doing it and feeling the thrill of it myself, you know? So, um, yeah, so I, I feel pretty, I mean, I am not a therapist. I don't, you know, if somebody has things that they really need to work on uh, in that way, some sort of, you know, mental disability that they have, something like that, I, they don't, I, I don't work with them. I send them to a therapist, you know, um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm really good at, at being empathetic, being a great listener being able to inspire people and really hearing what it is there, they maybe are afraid to articulate to anybody else. You know what I mean? So they feel my, my job is to make them feel safe. My job is to, to see the potential within them and mirror it back to them and really hold them in their highest. I believe that's what I do very well. And just keep inspiring them to go after it, you know, to really, but take the steps, right? And show them how to do that. Well, obviously, this has been a major process uh, within your own life. But what have you learned about yourself through the coaching of others? Oh, man. <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, we all have different um, levels of accomplishment and success. And there's always going to be another level of success. It doesn't matter who you are. There's always going to be a new level of expansion and growth that you, if you want to really embody this kind of work, you have to challenge yourself. So yeah, I have to challenge myself to do things that I don't want to do. And I have to, you know, however I want to be there as a mom or a friend or a coach, I have to put myself on the line and walk the walk so that I can be a powerful example to my, to my clients. So um, I'm curious to know what was the biggest impact both positively and negatively uh, that the pandemic had on the work that you do, because obviously that has done a, a major mind warp on so many people in this business. And right now we are in a place where the writers are on strike, uh, the Screen Actors Guild and after are on strike. Uh, the political environment is so bizarre right now. Yeah, uh, it, It's almost like nobody knows... See, uh, I was talking with Kimberly Faye Greenberg the other day. Uh, she has a great book uh, about being a proactive actor uh, that so many things are shifting within our business right now. Yeah. The way that casting directors are casting shows now, oh, which is yeah. always based on the right choices in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, diversity is great and diversity is important. We have to have that. It's very, very important, but, Sometimes people are getting cast in roles when they're not ready for those roles. I mean, there are, you know, the whole business is changing tremendously on both sides of the spectrum. Uh, how are you navigating all of these waters right now? Yeah, you know, um, so the pandemic, obviously, there was a lot of horrible parts of the pandemic. But there were also some great um, uh, 
things that happened as a result of the pandemic. Um, for me, it's great because I work on Zoom now and I love that because I was driving here and there and meeting people, you know, to uh, talk about, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, that sort of things or doing presentations. And now I can do it all online, which is great. Social media is wonderful for that just as it is for you, you know, you can reach a lot more people. I can talk to people, you know, in Europe and, and things like that. So that's fun. And that's really freeing in that way. And I think, um, you know, the other part of the pandemic that uh, I was really inspired by was that when people had, were forced to leave, especially service-based jobs and uh, where they were, you know, I read so many articles on the, you know, the, what was it called? The great resignation or something like that, where people, you know, had to leave their jobs and realized they hated their jobs. Yes. You know, they hated them. So they went back to school. They started their own business. They did all sorts of other things to survive, but they found themselves in, in that. So they were kind of, it was kind of like we, uh, we talk about um, uh, there are two ways to change um, your mental programming. And one is an emotional impact. And, and the pandemic was an emotional impact where people were forced to change, even if they didn't want to. They had to go out and create something new. And a lot of them have evolved as a result of that in a very positive way. So I don't know about the, the, the current climate of all of the actors' strikes and everything that's going on right now, the, the writers' strike. I, I don't know how that's going to end up. But I can only hope that people see beyond the negative and start to look at the possibilities within it, because I think that's the only way we can survive anything. Right. You know, it's like uh, Jack Canfield has this equation that he uses event plus response equals outcome. So we only can respond ourselves and see a situation the way uh, make the choice to find the good in it and and create our response in a proactive way that will benefit us and then be an inspiration to somebody else do you know i mean obviously these unions are working together and bonding together and that's really fantastic uh you know i mean and that's important but in the end, we all have to make the changes within ourselves first and then be, like I said, an inspiration for other people, you know. So I, I don't know the answer. Obviously, who am I? I don't know the answer. <laughs> I want to talk about a, a process that I, and I think that this started with Bob Proctor, uh, his thinking into results. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that and what that process is like and how you have adopted that in the work that you do. Yeah. So thinking into results is um, it's a six month program that I take my clients through. And uh, the first, uh, first I ask them, you know, if you had all of the resources and time and talent and financial means to, to have whatever it is that you desired, what would that be? So you're kind of freeing yourself up from limitation and allowing yourself to, well, you know, what would that be? What, what is my heart's desire? There's a great article by um, Emmett Fox. I don't know if you know who yeah, Emmett Fox is. Do. Yes. Yes. So he wrote a great article called Your Heart's Desire. And he talks about how we're all here for a, a purpose and our our spiritual journey is to live that purpose that we're each unique kind of like a little piece of the puzzle but god did not give you a desire or this purpose without the means to go out and make it happen to embody that and most of us 
And this is what I teach in thinking into results. So first, you, I help you figure out what, what is it that you really want. Don't put any limitations on it. Open up your imagination. Allow yourself to dream. And don't think about how it's going to happen because that's where people get stuck. They start to think, well, how would that happen? And then they give it up, right? So it's, it's a matter of what do you want? And then I help them look at the programming and I, I, I liken it to a, um, a lantern with a candle in it, you know, this beautiful lantern that has this beautiful light in it. And that's who we are, this, these energetic beings that come in, this beautiful light. But then what happens over time is the lantern gets slung with all sorts of mud and dirt, these programs uh, from other people, beliefs, ideas. And we, our light diminishes, right? It's still there, but we can't feel it or see it. One of my favorite quotes is, it's not who you think you are that holds you back. It's who you think you're not. Wow. So we don't think, we, we, don't, we don't even be, understand that we are these spiritual beings. We're not taught that, most of us, you know, we, we go to you know, church or whatever. And it's kind of, at least the church I went to, it was like, you know, you're not worthy. You don't deserve, you know, who do you think you are kind of thing. And God was, I I want to talk about you. You have been coaching for 18 years. Uh Uh-huh. And the, the world has changed a lot in those 18 years. And now we have, you know, social media. I mean, the internet was around 18 years ago but not to the extent that it is now with like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everything. And on a daily basis, I mean, this uh, past year or I, well, earlier this year, I actually left Facebook from December through May because Uh I was finding that it was really affecting me emotionally and I need to step away from it all. Yeah. Uh, and the only thing that brought me back was the fact that I was starting to do live performance again. And I felt that it was a necessary means yeah. to get the word out for what I'm doing. Right. But with when people are being, you know, even the strongest people are constantly getting these reminders on a daily basis of what others are doing or not doing or what's happening or what's not happening. How does this equate its way into the work that you're doing or does it? Sure. Well, especially in the entertainment field where people really compare themselves to people like that's, you know, there are reviewers and how did I do? And you have to wait for people, you know, your friends. Oh, my God. And then somebody else does a show and they get this great review and mine didn't say that, or why did they get that? Or why did they get a standing ovation, but I didn't. And then somebody has to remind them, well, you did get a standing ovation, (laughs) but but, you know, we compare ourselves uh, to others and that's human nature. But again, we're all unique. And, um, you know, in the science of getting rich, he talks about creating and not competing that when we're in a competition with other people we're not allowing that god or you know that life force energy that universal energy whatever the field of potential energy we are blocking it mm-hmm. a great thing emmett fox says is we step on the hose you know so we're not allowing that channel of 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 god force energy to come to and through us that will help us to be who we're meant to be and let all that other stuff go and let it, the chips fall where they may for other people. And, you know, I mean, this is ideally what happens. You don't even see those things, right? When you're in the right vibration, you don't even, it's like that kind of doesn't bother you as much because you know who you are. Right. I mean, that's the ultimate uh, goal is to know who you are. Right. So that it doesn't bother you. But that's something we all have to work with. Like, how much do you want to look at Facebook and put yourself or the news or, you know, any of those things that talk about the negativity that's happening? Like, we all have to make choices about where do I want to put my energy? 
Do I want to focus on what I love and just work at that and bring my vibration up so that I can be a channel for good, right? Or do I want to get down into the dirt with all these other people talking about this or that, you know? So when someone comes to you uh, and they want to begin uh, a new journey, uh, mm -hmm. what is the starting off point for you? And I know it's unique to each individual that comes to you, but do you have a certain framework or a certain foundation within that you work within uh, in terms of getting people started on making these uh, lifestyle choices in their lives? Yeah, well, thinking into results is a program. It's 12 lessons uh, that are digitalized. And I take somebody through one lesson for two weeks. So the first lesson is all about what do you want? It's called a worthy ideal. And that's an idea that you fall in love with. So it's something that you uh, that inspires you, that that excites you and scares you at the same time. So I I I real like I said before, what I help people do is figure out what it is they would really want because people who come to me they're not happy a lot of times. You know, they want more, and we should want more. We're here to create more. And also, don't you find that some people come to you? Uh, wanting, and I'm putting that in air quotes, uh, something based on what they feel that they should be wanting based on external circumstances. And what I mean by that, if someone sees, uh, you, you talked about all the other things that we see other people getting, like the standing ovations and all those things, um, they may realize, you know, a great breakthrough, uh, and I'm sure you've had many of these with your clients, is getting someone to the point where they realize that those things that they were really on that rat race to get aren't not necessarily at the top of the list anymore. Oh, yeah. I had a client this week talking about that. You know, she was like, I don't know. I don't know that I want to do any more shows. And I was like, OK, you know, if that's if that's really how you feel about it, you know, then let's what 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 do you feel is mm -hmm. your heart's desire? What what is important to you now? So things evolve and change. And yeah, a lot of times, you know, so what we say in thinking into results and Bob talks about you set a goal to become more spiritually aware. The goal is not necessarily as important as who you become in the process of achieving the goal. Do you know what I mean? Because when you start to trust yourself and believe that you can, you, you, you become someone new, you take your life to a new higher frequency of awareness of who and what you are. And that's what a goal will do for you. If you're excited and scared, otherwise you're living in a comfort zone and that gets none of us anywhere because, you know, we live in a world that's, you know, a vibrational universe, universe and everything is vibrating and it's you're either creating or you're disintegrating. You never stand still. So are you creating something new or are you just in a comfort zone where you're you're just living uh, I don't even know what Bob said. It was like, yeah, uh, you know, most people are, you know, just waiting for death to come. You know what I mean? Like they've just accepted where they are. It, you know, it sounds horrible, but. <laughs> you have the great uh, fortune, good fortune of working with Bob. Right. What do you feel is the one greatest piece of advice among many uh, that he instilled in you that you probably think about uh, either directly or indirectly on, a, uh, on every single day of the work that you're doing now? That we become what we think about. That our thoughts are incredibly powerful and that whatever we believe, we create. And that what happens on the outside is a direct reflection of our thoughts, our beliefs, and our programs on the inside. And in order to create something new, we have to change what we're thinking and believing about ourselves. And that's what I help people do is, is take the responsibility that if you don't like what's happening on the outside, 
it's because of something you're dwelling on on the inside or believing about yourself on the inside. And that's that's kind of like coaching 101 is how the importance of taking responsibility for yourself and your life. Like a lot of people want to blame other people and, you know, people, places and things, you know, I mean, that's a big deal in 12 step work. Um, but it comes down to you. And as you know, in in 12 step work, they'd say, you got to keep your side of the street clean, you know. So when people become responsible, and also know that, wow, if I've created this, then if I start to make different choices, I can create something totally new, I'm responsible, you know, so we become what we think about is the biggest is the biggest thing that I've learned. I'm going to ask a question. It may seem like a silly question, but why six months uh, as opposed to six weeks or six years or six days? I mean, it was there. Uh, and is that very specific to the work that he was doing? And why did he pick that framework? Oh, OK. So. Um, well, he and, um, his business partner created this program that's very, uh, methodical and kind of builds on its, on itself. Like there's a, a whole, uh, lesson on your self image, how to really understand what your self image is and how important it is to, uh, uh really, visualize yourself. That's another thing I'd like to say, though, like the difference between uh, the, you know, all uh, the law of attraction and a lot of these things, the difference is, is that we have to create an image of what we want and then believe that we're there. We have to live on the frequency of our goal. Because if you just wish and hope, you'll never get there. You have to live as if you already have it. And that's that takes time. You, nobody's going to learn that in six days. And, you know, I do work with, like, like I said, I'm working with a woman. I've been working with her for three years. I have other clients that I continue to work with and use these same principles, we'll study a different book, we'll do, you know, Neville Goddard or somebody like that, who's fantastic, you know, but it's like you, you live as if your wish is fulfilled, like, who would you be, if you already had that, the more you can live into that, and that lifestyle of already having your goal achieved, the then that goal will come like that six days six weeks six months it usually takes a process of see because you're reprogramming your mind is what this is all about through constant spaced repetition of new ideas just the way that when you were a child you learned things like tying your shoe or your name or you learned you know how to eat or you know how to how to read Everything takes time and you were programmed to believe certain things. So now you have to reprogram yourself to understand that you have all the potential in the world to be exactly who you want to be, not who anybody else wants you to be. Now, you put your focus, uh, the greatest teachers, the greatest gurus, the greatest guides are those who walk the walk and talk the talk. And you absolutely do that. So congratulations on all of that. Yeah. Uh, but what um, you have put your focus uh, on helping other artists, uh, you know, perhaps you help people in other uh, areas or other fields, but your focus is primarily on artists. And you have put together a program uh, that you are now uh, teaching and you've got a course and all of this. Talk a little bit about that. Well, um, so it's thinking into results. I just, I, I, my, my so-called uh, niche audience or, or clients, I happen to love working with artists because that's my, my, you know, passion is people in the, in the industry, uh, people in the theater. I just find that um, everybody, especially uh, not everybody self-image is so important creating a new self-image not so much your self-esteem 
but it's really who you believe yourself to be. And understanding that when you can create this self-image of the person who gets the job, you know, who goes to the audition and believes like, you know, I know I'm, I'm the best person for this job. I've worked my ass off to get here. I'm not going to compare myself to anybody else. I have what it takes to be, you know, get this part or get this role or sing my ass off on stage or make this album or whatever it is. When you create the self image of that person, again, you're not comparing or competing with anybody else. So that's where I mean, I just I love because, you know, like we were talking before, I think people in the theater do compare. It's just kind of what happens. Um, So I really like to help people see who they are, you know, what they have to offer, what's different about them, uh, and then go from there and go to the go to the job, go to the audition and get the job or, you know, it leaves. Yeah, it's funny that, you know, you think I was in, when I was reading the thought exchange this morning, one of the things that David said was like, you know, Patty Lapone, I think auditioned for cats. Uh-huh. Uh, didn't get it. Betty Buckley got it. But Patty Lapone didn't say at that moment, well, I guess they don't want me. So my career as an artist, as an actress, as a singer is now over. I'm not going to audition for anything else. Yes. And uh, so, and he t- and the thing that I love about David is it replacing these thoughts right. uh, with these thoughts of uh, less than, or I didn't get the job because I wasn't good enough, or I wasn't the right person, whatever it is that we put in our mindset. Right. And, and one of my other favorite books that I quote quite often is The Four Agreements. And right. one of the four agreements is that it's never about you. Uh, and yeah. and yes. you go to an audition or something, I, it, it, you know, and I think it's great that you give uh, these artists these tools to be able to work with, uh, to give them a foundation of, and I think before even being an artist, that it's a foundation of living as your authentic self. That's right. the bottom line. It is the bottom line. When you're your authentic self, people feel that, they see that. And, and they uh, gravitate towards it. That's when you can really attract to you everything you want. It's, and that's the other part of, uh, of the law of vibration, the law of attraction. It's like when you get on the frequency of the, of the person that you and really live there, that's when you start to, it's kind of like the entrainment thing or, uh, you know, you, you, the singer who uh, sings that one note and the, and the globe on the lamp starts to go at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. you get onto the same frequency as that and you attract everything you need to create that success. And that's what I see with my clients all the time. Like I'm working with somebody new and, you know, when we started working together, it hasn't even been that long. He was miserable He was, uh, you know, not getting acting jobs. He was, you know, in debt. Um, His living conditions weren't what he wanted. He was uh, waitering and and doing other things. And, um, you know, since we've been working together, he had an opportunity to earn a lot of money, uh, uh, travel, and he started working on a play that he wrote and he started to get really excited about this play and what the possibilities could be. And then because that happened first and then, and then this other opportunity uh, came to him to earn money. It wasn't in the theater, but he's very talented and smart. So he got this opportunity to, to like really pay down on his debts, to travel, uh, to meet friends, you know, somewhere else because they were all part of a play So he's going to do, and it's like, oh my God, you know, it's just opening yourself to the possibilities of what's there instead. I don't even know how I got on this tangent. (laughs) But But beyond Bob Proctor, who are your mentors? Who are the people that are now coaching you through life? 
my cat is cat. So <laughs> <laughs> it's me. She yeah. wakes me up in the middle of the night. Um, so I am I'm still affiliated with the Proctor Gallagher Corporation. So my mentors are the people that uh, are uh, it within, you know, I still I still study, I still follow. Um, other people that are teaching this, but on a, you know, are farther along than me. So they're my mentors. And then, um, so I'm always taking uh, new courses and, you know, uh, five day events and things like that to keep me going and to inspire me to learn more, to give that to my clients, you know? So um, that, that just, always continues. And then I read, I, you know, I study every day. I do too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think you have to, if you want to keep your mindset, right. You know, I mean, that's what I believe again, it's, it's through that because when you give up on that, then you start to drift, you know, you start to kind of, it's kind of like if you don't go to the gym for a week or something like that, then it's hard to get back to it, you know, or you, you know what I mean? So there's always, or if you're a singer or an actor or something like that, and you, you don't sing for a few weeks or something, it's like, oh man, I've got to start, you know, whatever it is, we drift. So we have to be uh, disciplined with our spiritual uh, studies and practices in order to keep Moving forward, moving up, moving up, you know? Well, I want to say you inspire me on so many levels. And uh, your journey of where you've come to get to this point uh, really is very inspirational. Uh, I hope that you write your own book someday. Uh, but, <laughs> no, seriously, you know, you may need a coach to help you get through that. But uh, I'm no writer. <laughs> well, you never know that, you know, that a lot of people have started out by saying I'm no writer and it's changed their lives. I don't want you to go anywhere for a moment. I'm going to give my closing comments. I can't believe how fast this hour flew. I know. And I'm going to give you the opportunity opportunity to have the final word. It could be about anything that we spoke about today. Uh, it could be about anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave everyone with today. And when you say goodbye, I will end the show. So you don't have to worry about how do I end this. Uh, so anyway, I want to thank you all for showing up today, whether you showed up live or whether you're showing up on the replay on YouTube. Uh, it means a lot because in this business, and I know I can speak for Patrice and everyone that does what I do. Uh, there are a lot of great podcasts out there. Go out and see these other podcasts. Go out and see other shows uh, because the, everyone's working hard to find their little spot in this place on, on this planet. So support them all. Uh, when you take the time to show up, it shows that you matter, whether it's your time, your money, whatever. If you've enjoyed today's show, my hope is if this is your first time that you will subscribe, click the little bell so you'll get a reminder when I go live each day uh, and uh, leave a message on YouTube because what that will do is that will raise the elevation of this particular show and that will let other people know about this as well. Um, please don't let it stop here. Go to Patrice's uh, website and learn more about the incredible work that she's doing. Um, I also end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Uh, pick up the phone and go to your Facebook friends list. Most people that see this are on Facebook. So go to, there's a little box of your friends. There's six, uh, nine boxes. Go to the ninth friend and reach out with a phone call today. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know how they've made a difference in your life. And by doing so, you're gonna make a difference in their life, I guarantee it. I talked earlier about David Friedman and the Thought Exchange. His husband, Sean Moniker, always says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different size boats. And I say, I don't care what size boat you're on, as long as you have a skipper and a coach by your side. <laughs> that, I'm going to leave. And Patrice, it's all yours. Thank you. Richard, thank you so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. He's just the best, isn't he? I really appreciate being on today. And I just want to leave you with 
the idea that it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing. We're all here for a purpose. And just allow yourself to dream about it. Imagine it and, and you know, find, find the resources or the mentors or the inspiration you need to go out and do it because you can. And you're here to do that. So um, thanks. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Richard. I have enjoyed myself so much. And I have to figure out how to get out of here. <laughs> there we go.